Welcome everybody back to CP for three. I'm joined with Jack here again today. Jack, how you doing? I'm doing good. First, first, second week of the NBA season. First full week. Um, a lot of a lot of things have happened. And we're we're going to initially talk about some of the surprises, some of the some of the things that happened that we didn't expect to happen, but they they are worth talking about. So first, I think it's worth mentioning Boston, the Boston Celtics. We we I think we were both pretty low on the Celtics coming into this I season. I was very low on the Celtics. Yeah, we did not. We didn't think really that they were going to be anything special. They weren't going to gel at the beginning of the season, and they were just going to have a tough time, maybe a mid mid to low seed in the East this year. But this past week, they've really surprised me. They went three zero. They beat the Knicks twice and the Bucks, which I mean, you could say what you want about those two Knicks games. I mean, the one last night was specifically close, but that Bucks win now that really showed what this Celtics team has like it showed their potential because they they didn't it wasn't like a super close game versus the Bucks they they beat them by almost 10 points and they really shut down Giannis that game and just I want to read off some stats that Boston have that that players from the Celtics have been showing showing up Kemba Walker's been averaging 26 points per game and players that last year really struggled with Kyrie Irving have been actually playing really well with Gordon Hayward averaging 17 points per game and Tatum's also been averaging 22 points per game last year we did not see this from Gordon Hayward and Jason Tatum, they were both struggling significantly. They, they, they re- like the, the chemistry with Kyrie wasn't working at all. And but this year, you're really, you're really seeing how how much more comfortable they are in the system, Brad Stevens system, and they just really seem to play better with Kimball Walker as a whole. They just feel more, and this is all without Ennis Cantor. We have to, we have to remember that. So the Celtics, they really surprised me this week going three zero. CP, do you have any thoughts on them? The Celtics are a major surprise. And I just want to talk about one thing that if, I feel like has gotten really under the radar. No one has talked about it much. Ennis Cantor hasn't played any of these games. Ennis Cantor is that guy that can come and give you... He doesn't give you good defense. He's a great offensive rebounder. He's a heart and soul of a team. Amazing in the post. And the Celtics have been able to gel together. Brad Stevens was regarded as one of the best coaches in the league um, two years ago. And then last year, everyone was like, is Ken Brad Stevens coach? What, what can, he can't work with stars. And I feel like that question it hasn't really been answered yet. But so far this year, you could say Kemba Walker has been a star. 26 points a game is star-level status. And Jason Tatum, I've been very, very critical of him and how and his efficiencies and everything. But he's he's been playing very well this year. And overall, so far, I've been completely wrong about the Celtics. They, might, they are maybe that team that uh, congelled and just didn't have a good locker room guy. But I, the one thing that I, I still – I just don't think they're going to gel is I don't think – that Kemba Walker is a good enough player or has been around good, winning enough to make this team go far in the playoffs. That's, that's my biggest concern. But he could easily prove me wrong, though. I mean, he's proved me wrong so far, but can he sustain it is the question. Maybe this team is just more of a regular season success team than a playoff team, I would say. Because even Jalen Brown, who just got that huge contract, hasn't been playing horribly. He's been averaging 17 also. So a bunch of these, a bunch of these supporting cast Celtics have been playing very well in the absence of um, Ennis Cantor and have really stepped up their game since Kyrie has left. So maybe Kemba, Kemba is the right leader. And even though he hasn't been in a winning situation before, that doesn't mean he can't succeed in one. He has been to the playoffs, we have to remember, twice. And twice. And even though they lost in the first round both those times, Kemba, maybe he just sees this, okay, this is the year I'm finally going to make the playoffs. Maybe this is the year my team's actually going to be successful in the regular season. So, I mean, I'm not going to rule Boston out. And I don't, I don't think they're going to be one of those top seeds in the East, but they can certainly be contenders, I think. 
That's a good point you brought up about how this year could be the year. When he was on the uh, Charlotte Hornets, a traditionally uh, poorly run organization, Luzzi was kind of accepted. Him coming to Celtics was probably the best thing for him. He's now a place where it's either championship or bust. And he may be able to put this team on his back, but so far he has. I don't know. I'm a little, a little concerned about the level of consistency because it's still only two weeks into the season. We keep forgetting. But the Celtics, the Celtics have started off amazing so far, and I honestly thought the beginning of the year was going to be the adjustment period, not them starting off hot. Yeah, so shifting from that, I want to talk about the Miami Heat. Now, they've, they've surprised me throughout this season. I think one, one player who really no one knew before the start of the season was um, Kendrick Nunn. He's an undrafted rookie who spent last year on the Golden State Warriors G League, G League team, and the Warriors ended up cutting him before this season began. He was signed by the Heat, and he has been pretty much balling on the Heat so far this season. He's been averaging 22.4 points per game, 2.5 assists, and 2.5 rebounds per game, and I mean, he's really been carrying them in the absence of Jimmy Butler. We have to remember, Jimmy Butler did not play the first three games of the season as um, he was his, he, his wife had a baby. So he, he was got, he was absent from the team at the beginning of the year, but um, but Kendrick Nunn really made sure this team was not affected by that. As the Heat, they went two and one this past season, this past week. Jimmy Butler came back, um, the last game, and another player who I know you want to talk about is Tyler Tyler Hero, who also has been helping Kendrick Nunn and and um helped the the Heat stay relevant with a winning record, and it just shows the last game Jimmy Butler came back against the Hawks on Thursday night. He had only five points, but he had nine rebounds, eleven assists, six steals, and three blocks. So, but and the Heat still won by about seventeen points. So I think this shows that the Heat don't need Jimmy Butler to be the star every night. They have the supporting cast of Kendrick Kendrick Nunn and Tyler Hero. They can ha- they can afford Jimmy Butler to score five points, but this this just shows that they have way more depth than we thought the Heat would have. And this has shown to their record being 4-1. and one. I mean, no one thought the Heat were going to be anything special. We all thought they were going to be a low seed in the East. And we were all kind of confused why Jimmy Butler went there in the first place. But, I mean, this team has really surprised me. And being way more deep than I ever imagined them being. And this Kendrick Nunn guy, I mean, he keep, he's averaging the most points out of any rookie this year, this year so far. So, I mean, rookie of the year candidate, I'm going to say it. So, I mean, if they keep playing like this, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they can prove us all wrong. Well, the Heat have just been an amazing surprise. I did not predict them to be this good so early at all. I was extremely confused why uh, Jimmy Butler there went there. I thought it was one of the stupidest possible decisions he could have made. But one player I really want to talk about is Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero, in the class of 2018, was ranked the 30th best player in the country. Now, I'm not saying 30 is bad. He was a Jordan Brand Classic player, uh, originally committed to Wisconsin, and in fantasy, decommitted to Kentucky. I want to talk about his journey from there. Going to Kentucky could have been the best possible thing for him. He absolutely killed it. It made him a lottery pick. And going into this year in the NBA, Tyler Hero is one of those rookies I thought was kind of under the radar. He had an amazing year, but everyone's like, he could just be a product of John Calipari's amazing system for the one-and-dones. But he has proved again. To start this year, Tyler Hero has been averaging 16 points a game on 35% from three and 45.3% from um, the field. For a rookie that was drafted 13th, 
That is amazing. Tyler Hero is the perfect type of player for today's NBA. He shoots the ball so well. He plays with such confidence. And he's not afraid to dribble. Tyler, on top of that, his defense has been great for a rookie. Defense wasn't even one of the things that was on his draft card. They were saying he wasn't bad, not good. They think he'll be amazing. But he's an above-average NBA defender already. And he plays at the just the way that he wants. The Heat are extremely well-run organization. Eric Spolstra now, I feel like he's proven to us that he's an amazing coach. And I feel like that he was overshadowed by LeBron and, stuff, and um, that team. But the past few years, he's been amazing. A couple years ago, they were 14-30, and 30, and they almost made the playoffs due to his coaching. He is able to put a system together where you can have like guys like Jimmy Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler, everyone, everyone's least favorite player in the NBA, but one of the hardest workers. He had a guy like him averaging, scored five points, and they still won a game. That That is a product of the system. In addition... Tyler Hero and Kendrick Nunn, two completely out-of-nowhere guys, are your main contributors, and it doesn't seem like the veterans are unhappy. This is the team. This is a huge team that we need to look out for because I feel like the level of consi- the level of play is only going to go up from here due, due to the culture in the building. I just, kinda, I just worry if Kendrick Nunn and Tyler Hero are going to be able to keep this up because, you know, the famous rookie wall, uh, I mean, they're both new to the NBA, and they have never played this many minutes before in their career. So I just hope that they can keep this up but I would not be surprised at all if their numbers dip midway through the season in about December and January and the Heat take a big hit and Jimmy Butler has to step up. Uh, I'm not as much concerned with Tyler Hero as I am with Kendrick Nunn because Tyler Hero is every level has shown he can score the ball and shoot the ball and defend. It's Kendrick Nunn. I feel like he, he could just have a burst of excitement right now and that, who knows, the media spotlight might get to him, but we're just going to have to wait and see. Moving on from that, I think it's it, we should talk about some of the disappointments throughout this NBA season, and two teams in particular I want to touch on are the Pelicans and the Kings. Starting with the Pelicans, I mean, everyone, coming into the season, everyone thought of the Pelicans as that kind of sleeper team, that like feel-good story with Zion, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram. Everyone kind of wanted them to do well. And when Zion went down, he's going to be out to December, we all still kind of thought, okay, Pelicans, they're still going to win some games. They're still going to be competitive. But, I mean, this past week, it's really shown that they have not been that competitive. They went 1-3 this past week, and finally they picked up their first win of the season on Thursday night against the Nuggets, which was a great win, I have to say. But to, and to me, that game was showing what this team's potential could be every single night. Like, that's how they need to play. And I think a reason for this team's lack of success so far this season has been Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball, he has been averaging 12.4 points per game this season, along with 4.4 rebounds and 7.4 assists. That is, not to say good, but I would I would think it's more underwhelming, to say the least. I mean, we all expected Lonzo to take the next step this season. We all saw those videos of him shooting threes with a new shot, with no one guarding him, swishing threes like 10 in a row and stuff like that. But, I mean, Lonzo, he has not been anything special this season so far. I mean, it's just more of the same from Lonzo. He's, I mean, he's averaged in his career 10 points per game, 6 rebounds per game, and 6 assists per game. Like, those stats for this year so far are pretty much the stats of his career. So, I mean, I haven't really seen Lonzo taking the next step in any part of his game, which kind of concerns me throughout the season as a whole. But, I mean, as we saw on Thursday night against the Nuggets, Brandon Ingram needs to be the guy on this team that the, that the plays are run through. I mean, he has been phenomenal the season so far. He's been averaging 27 points per game. And, I mean, on... On Thursday night, it showed when he had tw- when he had 27 points. I mean, he can lead this team to a win. And another guy I want to talk about is Jahil Okafor. He's been a great surprise so far. I mean, we all know he's been through ups and downs. 
start, I mean, after a great rookie year with the 76ers, he really did not get much playing time. Bounced around from the Sixers to the Nets, where he didn't really play at all. And finally, he landed with the landed with the Pelicans. And I mean, against the Nuggets on Thursday night, he he had 26 points. And he is a guy who's going to need to step up in Zion's absence. Him and Brandon Ingram need to step up. And if they can keep playing at this level, I think the Pelicans will start to win games. But I mean, if they are just as consi- inconsistent as they as they have been. They're going to lose games, which is why they're 1-4 and four so far. You talked about Lonzo Ball being a main reason for the Pelicans not being as successful this year. I do agree to, the, to some extent that his play hasn't been as, has been as great as everyone thought it was. As good as Lonzo, everyone thought Lonzo Ball was going to play a lot better. But the real reason, in my opinion, is Drew Holiday. I'm going to just read you the stats. Drew Holiday last year averaged 21.2 points a game on 47% from the field. 5 rebounds and 7.7 assists. To start off this year, 13.3 points, 30.4% from the field, 4.3 rebound assists, and 7 rebounds. That is just a huge drop-off in my opinion. Drew Holiday, everyone was saying before this year, or not everyone, but the Pelicans organization was saying that this is Drew Holiday's team. It is not Zion Williamson's team. Well, it is clear that it is neither of them. It's Brandon Ingram's team. Drew Holiday, you're playing horrible right now. I don't want to hear that the Pelicans got better and more guys are shooting. Your efficiencies are is just terrible. You have to be the leader. You have to play better defense. You have to do everything better. You can't feel comfortable right now. You were, you were so pissed off when Anthony Davis left because he said you were the, one of the reasons you stayed, and you said you wanted to make things right and play with this team better, but... You, you, you just have to play better. That's the reason the Pelicans aren't winning. This team, I think this team has the talent to be the eighth seed. It all just comes down to the, the real veteran in the room. And right now, who is the real veteran in the room? The team is very young. They do have J.J. Redick, who's never missed the playoffs. He's extremely consistent. Uh, Bernard Gibson stepping his game up completely. He looks like an MIP candidate right now. Jaheel Okafor is showing how good of a player he, uh, he can be in the league. And it's they just need a real leader right now. And I don't know if they're going to get one until Zion comes back. Because no matter what locker room Zion is in, he's always is the guy. Yeah, I also think J.J. Redick really needs to start stepping up. We need to see more of how he played last year with the Sixers. I mean, he can't be scoring 7, 5, and 3 points, three points a game. I mean, we need to we need to see more of him. Yeah, JJ Redick really needs to be better. He need him or Drew Holiday really needs to step up for this young team with a, a lack of experience, or I think the Pelicans will keep spiraling downward and just end up not making the playoffs. Moving on from that, I think we want to talk about the Kings and how they've been pretty disappointing this season. We talked about last week how Buddy Hield with his new one hundred million dollar contract, he was gonna be he was gonna need to be the guy to step up to make this team successful. But I mean, he's only been averaging. 16 points, 16 points per game this season on 35% three-point shooting. That is a 6% drop from his three-point percentage from his career. I mean, that's not what a guy, that's not what Buddy Heal needs to be doing right now. He needs to be the guy who's taking his games to the next level after receiving this contract. And that's why the Kings are did go one and three last night. And that's why they have not been very successful. I mean, they finally beat the Jazz. Finally beat the Jazz last night, but I mean the Kings. He can't. You can't rely on De'Aaron Fox to ball out every single night. Like, Buddy Hield was supposed to be that guy now, but he has proven that he cannot be that guy. I mean De'Aaron Fox, though. I think he he has to be a main reason for this disappointment. There's practically no improvement in his play. He averaged 17.3 points last year. He's averaging 17.7. He's less efficient. He has the same amount of rebounds and less assists. 
I, I honestly thought De'Aaron Fox was going to be one of the uh, MIP candidates this year because he, he just improved so much. He plays such fire. But is it because Buddy Heald is taking more now? Is it is it because Marvin Bagley is out? Like, what is the Kings' problem? Or is the Kings' problem Luke Walton and his inability to mesh these guys together? The Kings have played one of the slowest-paced teams in the league and a very high, and a, with a team that, of guys that can run up and down the court. I think that Luke Walton is the real problem in the Kings. His systems don't work. The, the players aren't buying in. And they're just playing the complete opposite style of basketball that actually had them one of their first, you could call, successful seasons in a while. And I do think that the absence of Marvin Bagley is going to play a huge role in it because I, I saw him uh, taking a huge step uh, in the first, uh, in the second year, sorry. Uh, the first game, he looked very good. Um, but that, I think he broke his thumb. Was the correct injury? But the, the team just needs a will to win, and I don't see it with the Kings right now. Is Buddy Heald not motivated because he got his money? I hope that's not the case because I think they're a very upcoming team in the league. And maybe it just takes a few ups and downs to uh, find out who they really are. But ho- I'm hoping they get it together. Yeah, I'm not really sure Luke Walton is going to be that guy to be able to lead this team to the playoffs. And I would not be surprised if he is not the coach of this team in about two years. So continuing on from that, I think another disappointment we both wanted to touch on were the Brooklyn Nets. While they finally did win last night against the Houston Rockets in what was definitely their best game of the season, I want to talk about two of their other games they had um, earlier in this week. First, I mean, Kyver Irving did have his 50-point game, but moving on from that, he also had he also had a great game against the Memphis Grizzlies, in which that game went to overtime, but the Nets unfortunately lost, and then and then the Nets the Nets did end up beating the Knicks in a good win, but I mean the reason the Nets have are two and three so far this season is because of the Nets' lack of ability to help Kyrie Irving. I mean he Kyrie Irving cannot be the superstar every single night. The Nets have the talent to help Kyrie every single night, but they're just not showing it. Karis LeVert has pretty much been the only consistent guy who's been showing up night in and night out. We need the old Spencer. The Nets need the old Spencer Newbany, and they need the Turing Prince from last year and the Hawks in order for them to win games. And we saw that last night against the Houston Rockets. The Nets actually played defense and forced James Harden to shoot 12% from on threes and 30% from the field. So that's what the Nets need to do to be successful. They need to play hard on the defensive end, and need other guys to step up. It can't, cannot be the Kyrie super show, isolation show every single night because that's going to wear him down, and that's not going to be successful in the postseason when teams could focus just on him. So, I mean, the Nets need to learn to work to play together more as a team in order for them to be successful. In my opinion, there really isn't much more to say about the Brooklyn Nets. Um, they have convinced me that they are a very well-run organization. As much as I have doubts about Kyrie Irving and his leadership, I think the Nets are are too motivated right now to figure it out, and everything will just be just fine. They just might hit a little bit of a rough patch, but who knows? I could be completely wrong, and Kyrie will spiral off. But I really would like to move on. Wait, to- what are your thoughts on the report saying Kyrie Irving has been um, the trouble in the beginning of the season with his. Um, I'm not surprised the time he spent. This is Kyrie Irving we're talking about. This isn't. We're not talking about LeBron or not say LeBron, but a non-emotional player. Like this isn't Kawhi Leonard saying he has mood swings. It's Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving is known, at least for the Celtics and the uh, Cavaliers, to be a guy who is a locker room presence in a, in a sense. Not necessarily the best or worst, but. He, de- he definitely has uh, concerns about his teammates because he plays such a one-on-one style of basketball. It's easy to call their guys out. But I really want to talk about the New York Knicks. At the time that report came out, though, 
the Nets were one and two. And I think it just it's more of a reporter trying to create a story to create drama for the Nets. I mean, if they were 0 and 3, that report would have never came out. And it just shows that because the Nets were 1 and 2. If the Nets were uh, 3 and 0, then why would he have mood swings? He would he could still have mood swings. If very much less likely if, if you're winning than if you're human, you, if you're human, you have mood swings. The report also focused on the trip to China, actually, and it, it it stated that Kyrie refused to take off a hat during a team picture. Which I mean, I think that just shows Kyrie Irving's um, level of difficulty. I mean, that can be that situation can be avoided so easily. I mean, he, that's kind of him showing his teammates that he's better than them, that he doesn't need to take off his hat during a team picture in China. But I mean, that's just one of one of his difficulties. I mean. If the Nets were three, no, Kyrie Irving can still have mood swings. Even after one and two, if you listen to his interviews post game, he says all the right things about his teammates and the coaching staff. I mean, he is allowed to have mood swings. He's allowed to be angry that the Nets have lost. But I mean, it's not. I don't think it's right to say, "Oh my gosh, he's already a bad leader for the Nets." I mean, I think he's been just fine. Just because he's allowed to be angry, he's allowed to be pissed off that they lost the game. But I mean, none, none of his. T- None of his teammates have have talked about him in a negative way so far. Even Kenny Atkinson has come out and said, "Yeah, this has not been the case at all from Kyrie. He's been great for our team." But if even if he's been great, doesn't mean he's not allowed to have mood swings. I mean, I don't really. This report kind of made me laugh in that sense. I mean, who's not allowed to have mood swings? He's a human. He can he can play. He can be angry, but he can also still be a great leader. Well, I want to bring up that point you said. Kenny Atkinson said that Kyrie has been a, a uh, bad leader for the team. Obviously, he's going to say that. Why, why would he go to the media and say, you know what, Kyrie has been awful for us. And he really has been. He, it's not going to say that. I don't think that means anything I don't, whatsoever. I don't think Kenny would hesitate from saying that because clearly Kyrie hasn't been a bad leader. But and if, I understand if you the point. Kyrie is one of the most emotional players in the league. Obviously, if, Kenny, if, that, if this was actually the case and Kenny Atkinson said that, he's going to get even more Again, mad. Again, Kenny Atkinson didn't say Kyrie hasn't had mood swings. He said he, he hasn't seen any drama from him. Or he hasn't been not a good leader. Kane just said Kyrie has been very cooperative and everything has been fine. That doesn't mean Kyrie hasn't been angry or hasn't said said, said some things. But of course, Kenny wants to protect his team. But no, there there's definitely some truth coming out for, coming out of his mouth. I think it's just I, I think this story was overlooked, not overlooked, overreact, a huge overreaction by the media and everybody else. And I, I think the Nets are just too well run. They're going to figure it out unless Kyrie Irving completely spirals out. But I just don't see it happening. So do you think Kyrie is fine so far this season? Yeah, I'd say. I, I don't know. If the mood swings are detrimental to the team because they haven't been playing as well as he'd like, then yes. But I just think it's a new team. He's just adjusting as of right now. If this was 30 games in the season, I'd say something else. But it's only five games, so I, I wouldn't overlook, look into it too much. In my mind, yeah, Kyrie, he knows what he got himself into. He knew he wanted to go to the Nets. I think he'll, I think he'll be just fine. No, this, is just, this is just a story that, that I think will people forget about in a week's time, and Kyrie will look at this situation and sh- just... He'll learn from this, even though I don't think there's been such a problem. And I think the Nets will only only continue to improve. Okay, finishing off with the book on Nets, we want to talk about the other team in New York City, the New York Knicks. Knicks fans like myself, we, we need a savior. We need somebody who can we be excited to watch every night. And R.J. Barrett is finally, we hope, is that guy. We, we thought it was Kristaps Porzingis, but R.J. RJ actually looked Looks even better than Porzingis did in his first couple games. The 
other players the Knicks though haven't been playing around him or the Knicks the Knicks finally have a guy that can be good but the, the Knicks just aren't the right culture they don't have the right coach I don't have the answer anymore but I just want to talk about RJ Barrett first start off the season 17.7 points 44% from the field 6.5 rebounds 3.3 assists that is outstanding for a rookie, especially playing in the biggest markets, transitioning from two of the biggest markets in sports, Duke basketball and the New York Knicks. And what's so upsetting about this is that the Nick Archie uh, Barrett is is showing that he can be that superstar that we need, and the and the Knicks have done nothing to help him at all. They're playing him constantly out of position at point guard. He's not a good enough passer or a facilitator. Not a facilitator. But I'd say good enough passer or. Um, that's just not his game playing point guard. And the players around the Knicks, Marcus Morris, hasn't been playing that good. Julius Randle, who he gave $63 million, hasn't been playing that good. And the biggest thing, though, is David Fisdale, though. His rotations make zero sense. Bobby, anytime someone goes hot, he pulls them out of the game. Then he puts back ice-cold guys and shocking that they lost. The Knicks easily could have won against the Celtics both times. Uh, they easily could have beat the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, they could have beat the... They could, the Knicks could be 5-1 and one right now, but... David Fisdale's offensive schemes, or lack of, for the case, are the reason for this team, and I don't see any—I don't see any way this is going to change unless he just somehow just becomes a genius overnight. And I just don't see that happening. He's too stubborn. This is the same guy who called Ennis Cantor old, then killed it in the playoffs for uh, Mitchell Robinson. Uh, he ruined Marcus Saul. He's—he's kind of a, like a locker room cancer, and I hate to say it, but. David Fisdale isn't the coach we all thought he was. He tricked us. He talks a lot to the media. And the the stuff he says just doesn't even make any sense. And I just don't understand why, though. I think the New York Knicks, the talent, in my opinion, is there. Because if it wasn't there, they wouldn't have been close in all these games. And if if the Knicks had a coach who was putting them in the right situation, every player in the right situation, I think we might be talking about a borderline eight seed team, because you just can't deny that all these close games—they're not—they're not the the same next last year. They're fighting every night. It's just the the culture and the coach, mostly the coach, that's causing them to be down. Jack, what are your thoughts on the Knicks? I think it's pretty concerning how when David Fisdale was approached after a post-game interview about him playing R.J. Barrett. Um, a lot of minutes because R.J. Barrett has played. He played 30 minutes against the Magic. He played 40 minutes against the Bulls. And he played 39 minutes against the Celtics. When David Fizdale was asked about this, he pretty much just denied it and said he doesn't think R.J. Barrett will be able, will, will hit the rookie wall, and he's not worried that he's going to become tired in the in the later end of the season. And I think this is almost laughable because how does David Fizdale know? that R.J. Barrett isn't going to get tired at the end of the season. He's never played this many games, this many minutes. In college basketball, how many games do you play in a season? You play 40 if you make it to the championship. Yes, and Duke did not make it to the championship, so they probably they played about like 37 games maybe. And yeah, okay, R.J. Barrett is probably going to play 82 games this season. But I mean, I think his stats are going to soar down at the, at the beginning of January or something like that because he's playing an insane amount of minutes right now and David Fisdale's inability to see that he's playing his star player too much is going to really hurt RJ Barrett in the later end of the season. I mean, yeah, what do you think about that? That's a very good point you brought up and I feel like RJ Barrett has that type of mentality where he can play those minutes, but he's not an NBA vet. He's a rookie. We still have to forget that he's only been in the league. For six, five or six yeah, games. And obviously, Roger Barrett's not going to say he wants to get taken out. He's going to do what his coach says. Yeah, he wants to make a name for himself. He wants to show that he really is the guy, and he's just going to agree with everything he says. But that may not be the 
that isn't the best decision for him. I mean, off of my Knicks tangent right now, I, I just really wish the team could put it together because I'm. I think the end, basketball is so much better and the NBA is so much better when the, when both teams in New York are winning. Look at the NBA ratings from 2013, 2014. Knicks and Nets were good. The NBA ratings were at its highest, and it it just angers me that we can't ever figure it out. And when the player is right there in front of us, but. unfortunately, I don't think the Knicks will be the AC this year. I think they will continue to spiral down. I don't think so either. But I think the talent is there. Uh, that's where that's where I want to talk to ask you some questions about that. The talent, I mean, they do have more talent than last year, and they do have some talent. But I mean, and the, you talk about how they have they been in these games. And sure, they've definitely lost these game, lost most of these games because David Fisdale. But I mean, maybe just also we have to remember these are very young players. I mean, teams like the Celtics, where they have veteran presence, they are always going to beat a team like the Knicks with very inexperienced players. I mean, RJ Barrett has never really. He's never obviously he's never played in the NBA before. He's never been in these tight situations of a player like Frank Nielakina, who really was very inconsistent last season. Never really saw the floor consistently at all. Then you also have players like Julius Randle. He's never been that guy on the team. He he hasn't really shown he can lead a team. So they, they, these players, yeah, they can play really well because they are talented and they can lead this team to a close game. But it's that end game that we're talking about, that fourth quarter, where I, I would take most a lot of other teams besides. A lot of other teams who are playing the Knicks, I would take the other team because the Knicks, they're very inexperienced. That doesn't mean the talent's not there, but I think it's a combination of that and Fizdale's ability to mesh these young players together and to, and to get the right rotations together for them to win games. It's a combination of the two, which is why the Knicks will be in a lot of close games this season, but they will lose most all, mostly all of them. Uh, I would agree with that. I just feel that I wish the guys like Julius Randle, Marcus Morris... The veterans, they've been in the league for quite a while now, so I, I, would, I think that those guys, if they can step up in the, that's a big if though, if they step up in the late game, they could be, they could have some successful games, but I, I, I would agree with you on this one, you got me there, the, the, the Knicks just aren't experienced enough, they haven't been in enough pressure situations where the, it's going to be a norm for them to win these. And it's not like Marcus Morris is that Kyrie who can completely yeah, carry a team late game. And it's not like Bobby, not, Bobby Portis but... and Wayne Ellington. I mean, these are veterans who are good on a team, who are good on a solid team. But, I mean, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not confident in them being the best player on this Knicks team. No, I, just... would, I would agree with you that. I just wish the level of consistency was a little bit more there from the, the coaching staff specifically. I think the Knicks will be better than last year, but, I mean... And I think they, there is potential for them to... There's a small chance they could be the 8th seed if so many things went right, but that's not the way the world works, so that, that is definitely not going to happen. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I, I just wish they could do so much better, and I feel like they finally have somewhat of a team that could do that, but knowing mm-hmm. the Knicks, the saying history repeats itself, it, history always repeats for the Knicks. One of the biggest headlines from this week was Steph Curry breaking his hand and having to get surgery, and it was announced a few days ago that he would be out for three to four months, and even we don't even know if he'll play again this season. I mean, what what is the benefit of the Warriors starting, even bringing Steph Curry back? I mean, because are they a playoff team? So Christian, what are your thoughts? Uh, the Warriors are not a playoff team. The West is, getting, is deeper than we even all thought it was, and D'Angelo Russell, he just led the Nets to a playoff, but that Nets team was better. The Warriors team plays in a tougher conference. Daniel Russell will put up some good stats. Draymond Green, I don't think he's consistent enough in the regular season anymore. He kind of saved for the playoffs, unless he goes all out for this year, which I just don't think will happen. I don't think he's, I don't think he's that type of offensive player that he anymore. Not saying he was, but not saying he's averaging 14, 15 a game. He's averaging like 8, 7. 
playing good deed and being a leader, but that's not going to carry you to the playoffs. You're the only guy. Eric Pascal cannot be playing all these minutes. Omari Spellman, uh, they're just not a talented enough team, in my opinion, especially with the West, and there's no reason to bring Steph Curry back. Klay Thompson, no reason to bring him back. If I was the Warriors, I would just play the season out, have showcase D'Angelo Russell, try to get a decent uh, draft pick, maybe try to get a lottery pick because you're not playing for anything. The Warriors are, Bob Myers is one of the most, he, you could say this, he's probably one of the best players or best uh, executives in the league in terms of scouting talent. He found Steph Curry from Davidson, Clay Thompson from Washington State, and Jay Green in the second round. And I think that he's, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't uh, be able to find a good player in the lottery this time. Because you're not playing for anything, so don't try to fight for an eight seed. You're not going to upset, the say, the Clippers or the Lakers. So if I was the Warriors, I would just try to showcase DeAndre Russell and quietly tank through this year. This has pretty much been the timeline of the Warriors this offseason. Before the season starts, everyone, there's those people that are saying, we're sleeping on the Warriors. They, they could be, still be a championship team. They still have the talent. But then, after the probably the first I mean, four... I was really saying championship. But people playoff said team. Playoff, play, good playoff team, maybe win a series or two, surprise people. But once the season started, after they went 0-2, and, two, and they, they lost their first three out of four games, we kind of were looking at, okay, this Warriors team is not very good. Even comments from Steph and Draymond came out saying, we suck, and Steve Kerr saying it's going to be a long season. We, people think there were a lot of skeptics out there saying, okay, maybe this Warriors team isn't as good as we thought. Maybe there will be a low seed, 6-7-8 seed. But then after Steph Curry broke his hand, I mean, those hopes have pretty much been entirely vanished. Um, there was no way this Warriors team will make the playoffs with D'Angelo Russell leading, leading their team. Not a knock on D'Angelo Russell at all, but he literally has no supporting supporting cast on his team. And Steve Curry has also openly come out and said that they will limit Draymond Green's minutes because there was really no point in playing him at all anymore. Because, I mean, they were not going to be competitive. It's pretty much a waste of Draymond's, Draymond's season at this point. He should just really just play limited minutes, become really healthy for next season when you get Steph Curry and Klay Thompson back. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Warriors honestly trade D'Angelo Russell at the end of the season or next offseason because D'Angelo Russell's stats will be completely inflated after the season because he will be the only guy on this team with any experience in this league, really, because half their starting lineup is are rookies and people from overseas. So D'Angelo Russell, as you said, will have the opportunity to ball out and his stats will be very good if the Warriors could flip him for maybe another quality starter and a few good bench players, this team could be competitive next year. Interesting point. Of, yeah, I'm very curious to see if the Warriors do decide to shop D'Angelo Russell, what the trade market would be for him, because I just think he's going to play really well. But I don't know. We're not ready to phrase that. I know we won't be able to see his trade market till this time next year. Or maybe not this time, but in this, starting like April, the summer, we'll, we'll see how good he really is. And I think we also the only reason the Warriors might not trade him is because they never really got to see the Steph the Steph Curry D'Angelo Russell tandem of them. He just made the, brought the Nets to the playoffs, so he's a very good player. And the Warriors we, would be like, well, let's just keep him. Why not? I think they want to see how Steph Curry and D'Angelo. He's Russell, very young too. I think that might be another incentive for them to keep him. They, yeah, they might want to see how they gel together. And so, I mean, also this Warriors team is getting pretty old, so maybe they're thinking about the future. I don't know. It depends what Bob Myers thinks is the best for that team. But oh. yeah, you know what I want to say. Uh, I don't. I feel like the Warriors just. I, I think that's what they should do. I think this. I think they're too well run. Bob Myers, Steve Kerr. I still think Steve Kerr is a great coach. His systems are still there. So if they can just tank this year, showcase D'Angelo Russell, and get a good pick, I think that would be amazing for next year. Now I want to uh, shift out to our last thing: our games of the week. 
So for this upcoming uh, week of the NBA, Jack and I have highlighted three games as marquee watch. We have the Rockets versus the Heat, you have the Bucks and the Clippers, and the 76ers versus the Nuggets. I want to start off with the Rockets versus Heat. I know this might shock people, but I'm going to go with the Miami Heat. The reason I'm picking the Miami Heat is Tyler Hero, Kendrick Nunn, Jimmy Butler, they're all playing. They are play, They have so much, uh, they're on a natural high right now. And the Rockets, they just lost to the Nets. And I really just don't think Russell Westbrook and James Harden are going to mesh well. So I'm going with the Heat. Really, any game with the Rockets is like picking, it's like trying to win the lottery. You're literally, you, it's so risky. You don't know if you're going to win. You probably won't win. Because James Harden and Russell Westbrook are two of the most inconsistent players in this league right now. James Harden could have a night where he has 59 points like he did a few days ago. Or he could have a night against the Nets where he shoots 12% from three and still scores 34 points, but half of them are from free throws. So you really don't know which James Harden you're going to get against the Heat. But I mean, my flip of the coin, I'm going to go with the Rockets. Because I, I do think James Harden will have that type of night. And I do think Russell Westbrook will have that type of night. So, I mean, you really, really not much to say here, but I'm just going to go with the Rockets. Uh, the next game, the Bucks and the Clippers. So I think this game, I'm going to go with the Clippers, only if Kawhi plays. Um, because I don't know if there's much to say about it. They're both very good playoff teams, both championship contenders. Um, both have the bench, depth, coach, you name it, star. So if Kawhi Leonard plays, I'm going with the Clippers. If he doesn't, I'm going with the Bucks. I can't make a firm pick right now because we don't know what the schedule is going to be. What do you think, Jack? I think that is a good point. We really never know when Kawhi is going to play because his load management that he has consistently as he sat out a few nights ago. But either way, I think I'm going to go with the Clippers because they, even without Kawhi Leonard, they are still a very good team. And this Bucks team has surprisingly been struggling as of late. They are 3-2, they are and two, which is not awful, but they, they were not the one seed in the East like, like we all thought they were going to be early in the season. So either way, I think I'm going to go with the Clippers. They're way more comfortable with each other at this point in the season. They're, they just gel together. And with Kawhi, I think it's a sure pick that the Clippers will win. Uh, last game, the 76ers and Nuggets. I'm going to go with the 76ers. Joel Embiid will be back from suspension after that brutal fight. Or for the NBA nowadays, brutal fight. Um, I think that he's going to be really motivated to play. The Sixers, I think, are just going to be a great team this year. And they've started off the season hot, and I don't see them cooling down anytime soon. Yeah, I'm also going to take the Sixers here. Um, they, Joel Embiid is going to be hungry after suspension. I think the, the, the Sixers are really gelling so far in the beginning of the season. I mean, Al Horford, I mean, he's been playing really well. He's been working surprisingly well with Joel Embiid. So, I mean, they've been, played, they've been playing they've been playing really well. I think the Nuggets, they, they have struggled as of late. They lost, they lost a few games lately, but I think Joel Embiid will kind of expose, per se, Nikola Djokic to show he is the, he is the best center in this league. And moving on from that, that was our, we're going to post these games, these polls on our Instagram at cp for 3 and you can vote if you want to see who are, who's going to win, and then we'll mention, we'll mention the results next week, on, next week, a week from now, on, this, on the podcast. So, CP, anything you'd like to say? Uh, just be on the lookout for the polls. If you guys are interested in, we're going to post a question that you guys would like us to answer in the next uh, podcast on like a fan Q&A. If, if, if it's something we've covered or we haven't covered, we'll answer it regardless. So be on the lookout for that. Remember, um, underscore CP43, that's number 43, underscore CP43, underscore on Instagram, CPangos21 on Twitter. Be on the lookout Saturday or Sunday for a podcast. And I look forward for another great week of the NBA. Yep, see you next time on Super 3 Podcast.